0: The Swain Event Podcast is driven by Beatty Chevrolet. For your new and pre-owned vehicle shopping needs, visit (laughs) BeattyChevrolet.com. Swain event.com, fueled by Daddy and barbecue, top 100 barbecue restaurant in America. Glad to be with you this morning. 865-25503 is our telephone number. Ben McKee, GoValls247. I'm Jason Swain. It's Tuesday. It is already October, my man.
1: Good morning. Good morning. It is October. Weather feels good. A lot going on. How are you? Oh, yeah. Feeling good, man. Feeling
0: good. Feeling good. Tennessee. Four and one. Going into the bye week. I prefer five and zero, oh, but I'll take four and one. I take the performance that Tennessee was able to go out there uh, and give us on, on Saturday. It's just weird, man. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Just weird. I mean, the the post-game activities with Javante Spragans and some South Carolina players, just weird. This is something that Javante Spragans has done dating back to last year. Tennessee went on the road, beat LSU. We saw Spragans with a stuffed bingo tiger. Um Tennessee beat Alabama at home. We saw Javante Spragans with a elephant. The nickname last year was the zookeeper. This is something that he's done dating back to, to last year. Um. So it's only right that if Tennessee was to beat South Carolina, that Javante Spragans would do the same thing. And be consistent. And he did that. I didn't see it being. I didn't, I didn't see the activities at the end of
1: the game. Did you see it? Uh, I didn't see specifically what happened, but I saw everybody kind of starting to begin to, to mix it up. But somebody did say that South Carolina uh, did not like that. Javantes had a little stuffed animal or whatever. and And I don't really blame them. I'm. I'll. I'll be the one that that plays it down the middle. All right. South well, Carolina, I, I won't. Um, that. That. That's fine. I, I'll be the the bad guy, and I'll take the shots on the text box. Um. But I mean, South Carolina doesn't know that he has he has a stuffed animal every after every single game, and uh, not faulting Javantez at all. I'm just saying. I also don't fault South Carolina for maybe sticking up for itself. I. I, I think we have had several conversations in the past where. We would have liked to have seen emotions out of a Tennessee football team if somebody was disrespecting them, and I think that this falls into that same category. So I, I don't have a problem with South a Carolina saying. animal?
0: You feel disrespected saying, because of a stuffed animal?
1: I mean, it. There, it's it's not the you know how Javantez runs his mouth. I doubt it was just a a stuffed animal. Javantez was kind of on the field, going out of his way to 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 let his feelings be known. Uh, so I, I doubt it was just a a stuffed animal that that irked South Carolina's players. I I I think it's a whole lot of nothing. I <laughs> I think it's a whole lot of nothing. I don't I don't blame Javantes for 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 being emotional after the game. I love that, and I also don't blame South Carolina for for sticking up for its school and and what it's about. Cool. I just don't. Sorry. So
0: um. South Carolina players felt disrespected huh So did, did you feel disrespected during during the football game did did you, did you want to stand up and show some pride during the football game or were you want to wait to after the football game
1: because well, during the football game that they're a good football team huh I just don't think that they're a good football team. I think they tried to stand up and <laughs> and show some pride. I just don't think that they're very good. Oh, I mean,
0: to me, it looked like they showed more fight, more pride after the game in defending a silly stuffed animal than they did during the game while Tennessee was rushing the football for six yards per carry. 238 net rushing yards and was running the ball down South Carolina's throat you you didn't want to show more pride when your quarterback was getting sacked six, uh, six times in a football game you didn't want to show more pride then you didn't want to show more pride when James Pierce a sophomore was giving your whole offensive line the business you didn't want to stand up for Spencer Rattler then? For a stuffed animal. Oh, let's throw hands. Let's go to war. Let's go to war over a stuffed animal. Not much going to war during 60 minutes of the football game. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I understand you're mad that you lost the game. I would be mad too. But I'm not going to use my energy trying to take a stuffed animal away from the opponent. Just silly to me. Tennessee handle business. I felt like being this game would come down to the defensive line, and boy did it! <laughs> boy did it! Um, it did. I, I do want to say this before before we continue because we got a phone call. We got to take our first break. Uh, I do think it's important to say this. Y'all don't come all hat in plays for, for us, right? Kamal Hatton plays for f- for Tennessee. He's, he wears orange and or white. Kamal Hatton had a rough game against Florida. Kamal had a rough game last year versus South Carolina. Kamal Hatton is also our best cover corner. Kamal Hatton has also done the best job covering all season long. That same dude who. Plays with passion. Yes, he's talkative. But last time I checked, no one talks more trash on social media than Vol Twitter. So we all talk a little trash. But come on, I hadn't had a bad game. His tackle attempt against Florida was downright embarrassing. It was terrible. Ain't no sugarcoating it. But at the end of the day, he's one of ours. He wears orange or white. He um, he had a unbelievable play, and the ball came right to him still. He still caught it, which is a hard catch to make sometimes when your vision is blocked because someone just maybe trying to catch the ball out in front of you. And you lose sight of the football, and you misjudge it. I mean, it's still a really good catch for a DB. on Haddon has really, really good hands for a DB. But it is October the 3rd. Florida so game happened a couple weeks ago. Like, we can move on. The dude has been making plays since then. And so just understand that while, while we're in the flow of our emotions, because being a fan means being a fanatic. When well, you're being fanatical, you're being emotional. And it all works together, and I understand that. But Kamal Haddon's, is he's hes one of us. He's hes a vol. He wears orange. He wears white. So I just think that's important to remind the good people. Uh, I think in the day and age of NIL, players just need to be ready for more criticism that comes their way. If they're not performing or they're not playing up to a certain standard that, that comes with it, I get it. But at the same time, there's a line. Let's make sure we don't cross that line. All right, Ben. Agree, disagree before I go to the phones and then we go to a break.
1: No, completely disagree or a uh, complete, completely agree. <laughs> I uh, misspoke there for a second obviously I, I, I'm completely with you uh, Kamal Haddon has rightfully made Tennessee fans mad at times I, I you pointed out the missed tackle against Florida that that wasn't even a missed tackle I, I don't know what you want to label that, that that was poor effort or whatever but he did not attempt to make a tackle in a situation where he should have attempted to make a tackle so that was very very poor I think back to last year South Carolina game uh, when you're getting blown out and he's still, quite frankly, acting a fool mm-hmm. on yeah. the field, on the sideline, throughout the game. Uh, just just not carrying himself in the way that I believe he should have carried himself in, in that moment. Uh, so Tennessee fans have had moments to be mad and, and frustrated and, and upset with Kamal Haddon. But th- there are too many who take it over the top. And uh, we, have, we have seen that lately, uh, unfortunately. So... I, I completely agree with you. I, I just think people need to tone it down at times. And remember, at the end of the day, it is just a game at the end of the day. And uh, he, he is still a young man uh, who is trying to grow as a person and as a football player each and every single day. And and he should be afforded that luxury to grow. And uh, he, he he is a very important part of that Tennessee secondary right now, whether you like it or not, and uh, probably helps to to support him more than the opposite.
0: Yeah, 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 and I add one more thing that I said that, that, that I want to make sure that we reiterate. He's one of us, like he wears a Tennessee uniform. Like at the end of the day, he's ours. So if you criticize the one of your own more than you criticize the opposite player, then you might want to might want to check yourself. All right, let's go to the phones 865-255-03. Good morning. Who do we have?
2: Good morning, boys from South Carolina. It's Clemson Clemsonville. What's up, man? Did I ever tell you how wonderful it is to live in a place that is now fully owned by the University of Tennessee?
0: You're right about that, man. Baseball, Clemson, and football. Uh, Clemson and South Carolina now f- with football. I mean, South Carolina has been really, really good to Tennessee.
2: It it has, and and uh, we are we are headed to the beach tomorrow, and you better believe we'll be wearing our orange as we drive through Columbia. But it will be a fast trip through Columbia because there's not uh, there's not a place I like to be at for very long. So, um, I have I have a, just two things. First, um, you know, just a, a thoughts and and shout out to Brew and his recovery because I've been there playing sport. Um, That's not only is that physically tough, but that's mentally challenging to work through to get back. And so he's, you know, he's got a long road, but I know he's going to have a good road. But, uh, Swain, I just, I had a question just kind of moving forward. Um, I thought Joe has been a good quarterback so far, not always great, but, but good and, and he's doing what he needs to do. Um, I think half of the incomplete that he has are more on the receivers than him. And I used to have a coach that had a, a philosophy: if it hits you in the hand, you better catch it. And if it hits you in the numbers and you drop it, don't even look at me. So from from now until the Texas A&M game, you know those those players have caught on the jug machines. They practice, you know, and they'll continue to. But I, I feel like if we cleaned up a lot of those drops, our offense would look ten times better. What can they do from now? That they haven't already done
0: to to improve for Texas A and M. Honestly, of you can catch balls and jug machines until you blew in the face. Uh, at the end of the day, it comes down to you making a play, man, like and not allowing the nerves, not allowing the moment to get the best of you. Because it's different catching jug machines in the complex when there's thirty people there, or even a hundred people there, but when it's third down and four or third down and eight, and there's a hundred thousand people watching you in the stands and then you have a defense, are you going to catch the ball? That's what it comes down to. And, um, we got to do a better job of that. There should be balls on the ground. If we want to be the best receiver group in the country, if we t- tell everybody we are the best receiver group, that means you got to go out there and prove it. You got to go out there and perform. Uh, there's been too many drop balls. There's been too many plays where Joe has given us opportunity to make a play, and we have put the ball on the ground. So the, the 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 elevation of our play needs to um, be be there for the Texas A&M game. You got Bruce McCoy this out. You got Dante Thornton who's banged up. You know when he gets back, it's time for him to live up to to the hype that was surrounding his name. It's time for Mel Keaton to, to, to step his game up. Uh, Squirrel is doing it. Squirrel needs some help, and the young young guys, you, you came here because you want to play this offense and you want to catch balls. Well, catch them, <laughs> catch, catch the balls, and the opportunity is right there for you because of the injury to Brew McCoy. So yeah, we got we got to, we got to do a better job. And I've said this for weeks. Joe has improvements that he need to make. But we got to be better about helping Joe too. I thought we did a better job of that versus South Carolina, and we will need to continue to improve in that area. Of Clemson ball moving forward, like it's going to get harder. It's not going to get easier. So we got to be better.
2: I agree. I agree. I, I think that's half of my frustrations during the game. But I love the win. I, I love blowing out South Carolina, and it is it has been a, a wonderful week so far. So
1: you, yes, sir. You
2: guys. You guys take care. I enjoy hearing you uh,
0: Tuesdays and Thursdays and uh keep on boys. Hey, thank you. And you said it right, Clemson all It it was a blowout. It it wasn't just a win. Just in case we we, we need to remind ourselves. I I don't I don't know your rules back when you was playing video games, Ben McKee. Madden in college football with your homeboys and your and your buddies. But when you find yourself down 21 points, you, you got to give up the sticks. That is officially a blowout. Tennessee blew out South Carolina. That's what happened.
1: They dominated them. They they absolutely dominated them in the trenches up front along the offensive line, along the defensive line. We can touch on that as as we come back from the break, but uh, that 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 is where that game started and ended, and it was a really really good sign of of things to come, I think, for Tennessee. Because looking ahead to this A and M game, that Tennessee offensive line better be better be ready to play some football, and especially as you get into Alabama and Kentucky, the, these next three opponents are are built from the ground up in the trenches, and and if Tennessee doesn't play well in the trenches, they can lose all three games.
0: 865 We'll take a quick time out and uh, we'll be back on the other side. Swain Event, fueled by Dead End Barbecue.
1: You're listening to the Swain Event. You don't say. fueled by Dead End Barbecue.
0: Hey Knoxville, we all know the importance of mental health. Most people don't have regular mental health care. They often wait. Let's change that. Isn't it time we all consider our mental health as important as our physical health? If you are ready, Mind Body Wellness in Knoxville can help you design a plan for your mental wellness. We are accessible, affordable, and available. You are worth it. Visit mindbodyknoxville.com to schedule a mental wellness assessment today. When you are craving some quality barbecue, there's only one place to go, Dead End Barbecue. Dead End Barbecue has been featured on ESPN's Taste of the Town, the first barbecue restaurant on the SEC network, CBS Sports, Headline News tailgate show, Amazon Prime's The Restaurant Comeback, Food Paradise, and name one of the top 100 barbecue restaurants in America. The search is over. Dead End Barbecue is located on 3621 Sutherland Avenue right here in Knoxville. You can even have it delivered right to your door through Chow Now. Visit their website at deadendbbq.com. Dead End Barbecue. The search is over. Hey, Val Nation. This is Charlie Pratt, Financial Representative with Modern Woodman and MWA Financial Services. Modern Woodman has been touching lives and securing futures for 140 years. Being born and raised here in East Tennessee, I'm honored to help East Tennesseans in all phases of life with retirement planning, investments, and life insurance. A big win on Saturday starts with preparation early in the week. A secure financial future starts with planning today. Contact my office today at 865-919-6468 to review your financial plan and make sure you are on track for success. As always, go Voss. Registered representative and investment advisor representative offering securities and advisory services through NWA Financial Services, Inc., a wholly owned subsidiary of Modern Woodmen of America, member of INCRA, SIPC.
3: Good morning, Swain Event family. Take a deep breath in and release. We're all back together in the a.m. and life is good. If you have real estate needs, just give me a call. Jennifer Morris at 865-257-7897 or email me at jennifermorris865 at gmail.com. And go Vols.
1: Just because you can't call in doesn't mean that
2: you have to sit on the sideline. Impact the show with a text box. It's part of the free Swain
1: Events app.
0: 20 event, 20 fueled by dead end barbecue Man, it was packed at that end sunday saturday before the game that's how we like it that's how we like it we missed you ben
1: yeah i'm sure you did
0: <laughs> 865-255-03 now, let's get to the phones right quick who do we
4: have with us good morning Hello, uh, fellas. This is Lawson in Shelbyville, home of Ace Swain. What's going uh, on? Hey, man. Uh, Swain, I've, I've been listening for years, man. I hadn't called in this first time. But it's a play that, thing that happened during the game that kind of just bugged me, and I wanted to see it. It's. It turned out to be inconsequential. Mm-hmm. But on uh, Kamal Haddon's interception, we got penalized. So excessive celebration, right?
0: 15 yards. Uh, like conduct, uh, slaughter got into Spencer Rattler's face.
4: Okay, okay. Anyway, it's uh, a 15-yard penalty mm-hmm. and it's just on the kickoff. Mm-hmm. Okay. They placed the ball on the 20-yard line. That was the 15-yard penalty, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Instead you, of,
0: yeah, you kicked from you kick from 20.
4: You, you kicked from the 35, so they put it on the 20-yard line and we kicked... Kicked off, so that was our 15-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. We kicked the ball out of bounds. Yes, that penalty for kicking the ball out of bounds is to place the ball on the 35-yard line. Mm-hmm. Okay, they assessed another 15 yards. They placed the ball on the 50-yard line. That's where that's where South Carolina started. That was essentially two 15-yard penalties for one incident because there was no other incident during the kickoff the only infraction was kicking the ball out of bounds which means put the ball on the 35 yard line they placed the ball on the 50 yard line and it would only put well, two minutes left in the in in the first half it could have been <laughs> you know a game-changing situation yeah and it it turned out to be okay and everything like that. But it just, it just irked me. Nobody saw that. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I just wonder I, I, what you was thinking. I think everybody saw it.
0: I think mm-hmm. there's people that were kind of confused. So, mm-hmm. um, no, number one, we shouldn't have gotten the 15 yard penalty, uh, to start, but we did and it, it happens. You were excited, juiced up. Danico Slaughter hasn't played in a couple games. He's a dog. I'm okay with it. It didn't really hurt us. Right. Now, you're penalizing 15 yards on the kickoff. If the ball is in play, it gives the other team opportunity to get really good field position, okay? Since the ball was kicked out of bounds, they didn't get that opportunity. So if you don't penalize us in that moment, you put the ball at the 35-yard line, we're not really penalized. So kicking the ball out of bounds would be like getting around the penalty. That's why that 50 yards was assessed on top of the ball being placed, uh, kicked out of bounds, and the ball is placed at the 50-yard line. So that's the rule that I, that I understand it. Uh, I understand why they put it at the 50-yard line. Because if we kick the ball out of bounds, we'll basically get around the punishment if they put the ball to 35, because the ball goes to the 35 normally when you kick it out of bounds.
4: Does that make sense? I ca- I, yeah, I kind of see that, but the thing is, you, you know, you penalized us by by us having to kick the ball from the 20-yard line. Yeah, but we kicked it out of bounds, though. So
0: yeah. you kick it out of bounds, If we don't, if we're not penalized for kicking it out of the bounds, we're basically getting around that punishment if you just put the ball at thirty five
4: in a normal situation Hmm. <laughs> okay i, I i'm it's, it's something i'm i'm still I'm still missing because if the ball was if we kicked the ball in inbounds in play and everything it would have been marked wherever the ball was down right
0: yeah yeah so if we if
4: we kicked the ball inbounds
0: and let's say South Carolina returned it ten yards and we tackled them then the ball would have been placed there first down and 10. But because we kicked it out of bounds, they had to penalize us that 15 yards and put the ball at the 50 because if you don't penalize us,
4: there's no penalty. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I'm still miss- missing something. Okay. Because- All right,
0: let me let me explain this to you like this then. So okay. let's say the penalty never happens. Okay. And we keep the ball out of bounds. That is a... A different penalty, but you can't keep the ball out of bounds. That ball will go on the thirty-five yard line. Okay, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> In a normal situation, we got the fifteen-yard penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct. If you don't penalize us after the ball kicked out of bounds, then you're not penalizing us for the fifteen-yard penalty, unsportsmanlike conduct.
4: Uh... Okay. I, I, I'm i pretty sure you're right, but that's still, you know. It, it wasn't, it feels like
0: two penalties. Yeah. But it, we were assessed that penalty to put the ball to 50 because if we're not penalized for kicking the ball out of bounds, then we don't get held accountable for the 15 yard unsportsmanlike conduct penalty.
4: Well,. <laughs> I must be awfully stupid because, they, like I say, that still brings you right back to my point and everything. The penalty for the, you know, whatever <laughs> when the infraction was, they got us 15 yards, mm-hmm. was not, not to be able to kick the ball from the 35-yard line. Yeah, I, yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. And they assessed that, right? Yeah okay. They put the ball on the twenty yard line. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That right there right there. Excuse me. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> right there to me, that's where that penalty ends. No, no, no no, a, no, no,
0: no. Now you see see kicking out of the bounds
4: would would, would be <laughs>
0: like getting around the penalty if you don't penalize us further. That's why I brought up the point. That's why I brought up the uh-huh. point. If in a normal situation Mm-hmm. If you keep the ball out of bounds, the team is getting the ball at the thirty-five yard line. There's the penalty. You right. can't get around the penalty of the fifteen-yard unsportsmanlike conduct by kicking the ball out of bounds and getting the ball to thirty-five. No, 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 no. They tacked on the fifteen-yard penalty or the fifteen yards because we kicked it out of bounds. <laughs> well, that's that's
4: exactly what. But I'm, that's
0: the rule book. That's I mean, that's that's rule book okay. and. It, it's, it's. I mean, it's
4: fair. It's not unfair. It's fair. Okay. <laughs> like like I said, I'm I'm missing something, and I, and I believe you're correct. <laughs> I don't know everything. what you're missing, brother. I mean, <laughs> I don't know, man. Well, well, like I like like I keep saying, you penalize them when you when you get on the kickoff. That's the 15 yards. No. That's, that's,
0: that's, yeah. That's, yeah, that's, yeah. If you kick it yeah. in bounds, if you kick it in bounds, that's the penalty. If you kick it out of bounds, we're gonna add 15 yards to. The penalty of kicking it out of bounds. That's why I was at the fifty. If you kick it in bounds, that's your penalty. If you kick it out of bounds, we're adding fifteen yards. That's the rules.
4: Hmm. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm unaware of that rule. I, there it is. I, 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 I defer. <laughs> I defer to you, but that that really kind of griped me because it, it still seems like that was a double penalty to me. But I f- I'm I I I evidently really wrong about that. But but <laughs> that 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 gripped me. No Ian. <laughs> on that. Wait, wait. So.
0: We it didn't, it didn't matter at the end of the day. And um, you know, we got the win. It's a learning moment for Danico Slaughter. Uh man, thanks for the phone call. It's good it's good to hear from you. Um Danico was fired up, he was juiced up to be back. His boy had a pick six. Spencer Rattler was running that mouth last year after the game, and Danico wanted to tell him something. I understand, Danico. I get it. But that's a learning experience. You you know, you can't do that uh, moving forward. Okay. James Pierce Jr. Ben, nine hurries? Nine hurries? His hurry that forced the pick six was bigger than his two sacks combined because it generated points. But nine hurries. Like, I knew South Carolina's offense line was, was a weakness. But damn. <laughs> but damn, man, Tennessee was feasted in the backfield. Feasted. On the year, James Pierce, five sacks in five games and seven TFLs, tackles for loss. South Carolina came into the game averaging, giving up four sacks per game. Tennessee had six. Go ahead.
1: He, he's awesome. I mean, he is a – if he keeps playing like this and and if he can perform like this against A&M and uh, Alabama and some of these bigger brands in college football, the Georgias of the world. He, he is absolutely going to be a first-round pick. He, he may be a first-round pick he, even already, <laughs> uh, but I, I think his dra- draft stock will, will really skyrocket if, if he could have a big month of October uh, against some pretty good offensive lines, teams that pride themselves on playing physical football. I mean, he had that South Carolina offensive tackle just guessing on any given play and, and was kind of breaking out all the moves in his bag on that poor South Carolina uh, right tackle and, and I think he lined up on both sides of the line of scrimmage at, at different points but I mean he he was lining up right off the tackle he he was lining up way off <laughs> the tackle I mean he he was doing anything and, and everything that he wanted to do and uh, th- there are a whole lot of guys playing really good football inside of that Tennessee defensive front uh, Tyler Barron Amari Thomas Dominic Bailey Omar Norman Lott, We could go on and on and on. And James Pierce, I I think his elevation, him taking the next step, has allowed Tennessee's defense to somewhat take the next step as well. So uh, he's going to be very important for Tennessee coming up and reminds me of uh, Darrell Taylor. That's what his game reminds me of. He's just further ahead than Darrell was at this point in in his career. So his career is really, really bright if he can – stay in, in this direction because he he's a problem out there to to deal with for for tackles and uh Tennessee's really gonna need him this month. During the
0: big orange countdown, um Vaughn Network's pregame show, two hours before kickoff, gate twenty one at home games, uh Will Overstreet made a great point about James Pierce or whoever was rushing to pass it from the edge versus South Carolina. Playing at home. He said, watch for our edge players to line up a little bit wider. He said that's what he would do going up against a young offensive line. Because when you line up a little bit wider, now that tackle is thinking about, oh, I got to get back. I got to get back even more to account for that rusher. Remember, we were watching the Chiefs at the beginning of the game and that tackle, everyone was talking about on Twitter, like, oh, man, he's he's moving early. It's a false start. It's a false start. Um, and since then, they have kind of cracked down on tackles moving too early or not lining up on the line of scrimmage because you have to um, – your head has to be in line with uh, the, the waistband of, of the guard to be on the line of scrimmage. So it's an advantage for the tackle to – to be a couple steps back, or to be one step back. And obviously, to start early, it's an advantage for them to get back to their spot and be able to meet and engage the edge rusher. Well, well, Streak was saying, if you line up wider, you're going to make that tackle think. And when he's thinking, because the crowd noise is an issue, that might force him to jump. And have false starts. And, if it doesn't and, post-snap, James Pierce has an opportunity to come underneath. Rush upfield and come underneath. And dude, on James Pierce, I want to say it was the second sack. That's exactly what he did.
1: You know what he said after the game? What's that? He said all he was doing was reacting to what the offensive lineman was doing. Yep. When he was lined up well off tackle, He 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 just said that he just reacted to to whatever the the South Carolina offensive lineman does obviously uh, an edge rusher has keys on on what move to go to if the lineman does this or does that and he was just kind of putting the ball in in the right tackle's court and if the right tackle did this then James Pierce did that if if the right tackle did this he did that so he he, he did a great job of of just keeping it really simple quite frankly i i think that those of us who don't really know football all that well, myself included, think that there's a, a lot that goes into to defensive line play and, and getting after the quarterback. But I I think that was a nice reminder that it's it's maybe more simple than we realize, and, and it's really off of how how the South Carolina or how an offensive lineman tries to play you, and and what kind of move he tries to stop on a down, and and you just counter with the opposite.
0: Yeah, it, it it's not simple it It sounds simple because James Pierce makes it makes it look simple, but guys are not built like James Pierce all the time. They, they don't they don't grow James Pierce's own trees. It's the reason why only one website had him as a five star uh, coming out. They did not most people didn't see it, but his length, his athleticism, his explosion, uh, his ceiling is really high. Look at where he came from his freshman year to a sophomore year. I think he's more mature. Um, like, yeah, he makes it sound easy. That's like Cordell Patterson going, "Hey man, I, all I do is go the opposite way of, of where the defender goes." So, Cordell, how do you shake him so bad? Well, I just give him a move and they they bite. They bite on that move. I just go the opposite. Oh man, that sounds simple. Anybody can do it, right? No, not everybody is Cordell Patterson. <laughs> So like Pierce makes it sound simple, Ben, but it's not simple because everybody well, ain't built fi- like him.
1: Yes, the the physicality of executing is not simple, but in terms of like getting to your moves, like there there's it doesn't seem like there's a, a lot that that you're really picking from. It it's just kind of you you decide what you're gonna do, and then and then hopefully your physical abilities can take over from there.
0: I mean it's it's, it's like juking someone with a ball in your hand, like. B. John Robinson, what he's doing in the NFL right now is ridiculous. Um, but when you are looking to make a move in the open field with the ball, it's no different than a defensive end rushing and going up against a a tackle or alignment. You give him a move. If he bites for it, you got to counter. You got to do it quick. It's no, it's no difference than making a move in the open field with the ball. How about this, Ben? Right now, Tennessee is seventh in the country at. 3.8 sacks per game, up from 2.4 sacks per game last year. Right now in the SEC, you got Tyler Barron, who is fifth in the SEC with four sacks. James Pierce is second in the SEC with five, only trailing Dallas Turner of Alabama, who has Who's really good. six. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, I mean, he's going to be a first-round pick. Uh, that was the talk preseason. Um, right now, Jalen Wright is third in Russian. Probably would be higher than that if it wasn't for Ray Davis running all over Florida, still running to this day. Uh, to, at this very moment, he's still running against Florida. Uh, he but, could
1: have had three hundred if Mark Stoops didn't call off the dogs.
0: That's 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 ridiculous. But yeah, Jalen Wright is at four thirty-five. Cody Schrader from Mizzou is at four sixty-three. I think that's going to change. Um, we do have a bye week, so. Jalen Wright's going to have to put in some work against Texas AM and to make up some ground. Um, and then Ray Davis is at 594. But uh, line of scrimmage game, that's what Saturday was. Tennessee rushed the football when they wanted to. You had three backs that were able to get into the open field and make plays. You had a defensive front that moved the line of scrimmage. South Carolina did have one long run. They had a poor run fit there. Which is unaccusable because the the back for South Carolina um didn't even get touched at all. Mario Anderson didn't get touched on his 75 yard run for a touchdown. But man, other than that, whoo! What a dominating performance by the front. We didn't mention this yet, but I'm mentioning it now. Entering Saturday's game. Benjamin McKee. Xavier Leggett led the country in receiving yards per game at 139 yards. He entered the game with 27 receptions. And here's the thing that's crazy. Crazy, crazy. He was targeted entering the game 34 times on the season. He caught 27 balls. So the Spencer Rattler to Xavier Leggett connection was 27 out of 34. That's 80%. That's really, really At good. least. That's ridiculous. That is ridiculous. And they played Mississippi State. And they played North Carolina. And they played Georgia. They were more battle-tested than us. But this secondary, with the help of the Tennessee pass rush in the front, seven targets for Xavier Leggett 50 yards and 32 of those yards was on the fake punt so 18 yards of offense when he was in, when he entered the game averaging 139 per game so that's incredible man add a boy to our secondary uh we jumped on some balls really really well especially in the red zone. Uh, Kamal Haddon was good. Jalen McCullough was good. Um,
1: I loved what Wesley Walker did in space with some big open field tackles. Yep. And, and I want to say one or two were against Leggett. I, I think the f- one, the fourth and two, yep. that Walker, wasn't that Leggett yep. who who he tackled? I, I thought Walker uh, was awesome. So, I mean, that was a total team effort defensively to to slow down. Xavier Leggett. It it was the pass rush, making life tough on Spencer Rattler and rattling him to where he could not get Leggett the ball when and and where he wanted to. And then it was also the secondary taking advantage of of the defensive front uh, getting to Rattler and and not being out of place and and not having any busts in their assignments. And, And then also credit Tim Banks. He had an awesome game plan for for defending Leggett as as well, Spencer Rattler said after the game, <laughs> there was never a point in time where it, it was Leggett on an island and he was bracketed, double covered, however you want to describe it, at at every single point. I mean, there there was constantly help for Tennessee's corners over Leggett, and that's that's what you got to do in that particular situation. So credit to the coaching staff for coming up coming up with a nice game plan and. Uh, credit to the players, both up front to get pressure and and in the back end in coverage to to prevent him from going off. Because if if you if you prevented him from going off, you're going to win the way that you did, and they did.
0: Also entering the game, Ben Spencer Rattler threw for 300 yards in four of his last seven games. This is dating back to last year. November 19, 2022, when he had 438 against us. He comes back, has 360 versus Clemson. At the beginning of the season, he had three fifty-three, And in Furman, he had 345. In his last seven games, he's thrown 17 touchdowns, five interceptions. He's thrown for... 2,286 yards, averaging 326 yards per game on Saturday. 169 yards. And he threw a touchdown pass, all right. He threw it to Kamal Hatton. Zero touchdown passes to his team. Y'all, this defense stepped up in a big time way. Big time way. And and, they did, and we got to give Spencer his credit. Entering the game, what he had done up to that point with that offensive line, with his number one receiver being out, was nothing short of of remarkable. That's why you and others around the league said that he was the best quarterback in the league. He's playing at the highest level. I don't know about now, but. He he was great, but he wasn't on Saturdays. Kudos to Tennessee defense.
1: Yeah, and I, I think that's a really positive sign of of things to come for Tennessee, and a reason that Tennessee fans should be excited going forward is how this this defense is is playing. I thought coming out of the Florida game that the second half defensive performance was more of what this defense is than the first half performance against Florida, and I thought that Saturday night confirmed that. This, this is not a bad defense like they looked in that first half against Florida. This is a a good defense. I, I don't know how good, but I, I know that they are good. They, they may still have their moments with, where they are frustrating to watch. Again, they have some big tests coming up, um, but I, I think there is a whole lot more good about this defense than bad, especially up in the front seven and as we've talked over the years so many times what is a secondary's best friend it's a pass rush and tennessee can absolutely generate a pass rush on the on the edge in the interior uh and i wanted to make this point earlier about the edge position that that position is playing really well right now obviously james pierce jr is getting a a ton of love at that leo spot uh josh josephs he came in uh, PFF said he only played six snaps, which it did. It felt like he played more than that. But uh, within those six snaps, he was very, very effective. And he was able to get after the quarterback and, and generate a pressure as well. Uh, Roman Harrison is just kind of steady yeti out there. He, he's not necessarily having the TFLs or, or the sacks, but uh, he, he continues to play fairly well as a veteran, just knowing what to do and, and where to be. Omar Norman Lott blowing up the interior, Tyler Barron moving in, moving out. I mean, this defensive front is playing really, really well. And I think going forward, in order for this team to have team success and, and win ball games, it, it's got to start with the front seven playing up to its potential. And then also what you mentioned offensively, running the football. There's some question marks in the passing game right now, especially after Brew goes down with a devastating injury. But if it if it can run the football like it did against South Carolina, and if it can get after the quarterback, if if those two things can show up game to game, they're gonna have a chance to, to win every single football game that they play in this season, and they're gonna win more than they're gonna lose.
0: 865 255 25503 is our telephone number. We'll get to the Beatty Chevrolet text box when we come back from our brief timeout. You're listening to the Swain event, feel about that in barbecue. You're listening to the Swain Event.
3: And you know this, man.
0: Here in Knoxville, we love it when a squirrel's in the checkerboards. But when there's a squirrel in our attic, that's all sides. When that happens, call Alpha Wildlife. They're Knoxville's veteran-owned and operated wildlife removal company. When unwanted critters put their feet up on your coffee table, call 865-224-6555. Let the Tennessee fans at Alpha Wildlife evict those unwanted tenants and set your home up with a winning defense to keep that wildlife where it belongs. That's Alpha Wildlife at 865-224-6555. They have locations in Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, and in parts of South Carolina. Check them out online at alphawildlife.com. What's up, fellas? It's Swain. When it comes to health, there are numbers every man needs to know, including your testosterone number. I recommend going to Low-T Center. They make it quick and easy to get your levels checked, and it's only $25. You walk in, take a simple blood test, and with their on-site lab, you'll know your results in 25 minutes. Low testosterone levels can make you feel tired and grumpy, can cause lack of motivation and drive. It can raise your cholesterol, cause weight gain, and loss of muscle mass. Go to LowTCenter.com now to book your appointment. Low-T Center Reinventing Healthcare. Dead End Barbecue has you covered when you need the food to be on point for your next event. Go to deadendbbq.com to learn more or call 865-414-9417. Dead End Barbecue, the catering search is over.
3: Hey there, Swain Event crew. Just like fall sports, the Knoxville area real estate market is strong and growing stronger. We're an everything region. When you get the big orange itch to buy, sell, or invest, call me, Jennifer Morris with Keller Williams Realty at 865 865- 2577897 or email me at Jennifer 865 at gmail.com. Go vols! Looking for a different way to enjoy the show? Yes, then check out Swain Event TV on YouTube.
0: 865 255 is our telephone number. Let's get to the Betty Chevrolet text box this morning, BettyChevrolet.com. Pre-owned vehicles, SUVs, trucks, starting as low as $19,995. Betty Chevrolet right there on Parkside Drive. Again, the website, BettyChevrolet.com. Chip Hain says we finally got to see our real offensive line on Saturday. They look comfortable They look so comfortable in their natural position. I'm glad you brought that up, Chip, because there was a possession where the offense was going towards the north end zone. And I was standing, um, they were like at their own 35, 40-yard line. And I was standing at the opposite 15, 20-yard line. And I was looking at one person, and that was Cooper Mays. I was looking at him in between plays compared to everyone else. My man Cooper Mays was huffing and puffing. He was tired. He was tired. And the reason why I bring that up is because I want to give him so much credit for mentally just powering through the fatigue powering through some of the rust that he had. There's a time when he had a little difficulty getting up. It worried me. I was concerned. But we know Cooper is tough as nails, and he got up and made his way to to the sideline. But I don't think people understand, like, the mental toughness you got to have to tell yourself you're not tired. Like, you got to tell yourself, I'm not tired. Yeah, you barely can breathe. I'm not tired. Because the ball has to be snapped here in about 15 seconds. I got to get a couple more breaths in, and I got to go execute. I know people were getting a little antsy about Cooper Mays coming back, getting a little frustrated with what felt like to be some some misinformation, some misdirection on his status. But I'm I'm glad that he's back. And, man, he played so well in his first game back. Let's go to the phones, 865 Then we'll go right back to the Betty Chevrolet text box. Good morning. Who do we have with us?
5: Well, I'm on, I'm on the phone line, and you, you took my point away from me there because I really – I noticed that myself on Cooper Mays. Uh, he really battled, and it made a difference, a big difference in, yep. uh, in the uh, – Flow of the offense. I I feel like uh, people don't understand how important someone uh, in the position he's in really makes. But on the on the penalty, from what I, I I can find on this penalty, which I thought about it too uh, on the kickoff, uh, they they the penalty was assessed on the kickoff back to the twenty. Way I can see it, it went out of bounds outside of the thirty five yard line. Now the the Kick team has a choice: of taking that penalty, being at the thirty-five yard line, or or free kick. And essentially, the way I see it, unless there's rules in there, we got penalized twice. But you, that's uh, we, we, that's we got penalized you know, once. Uh, okay, but what, what I'm trying to tell you is he was he was right, unless the rules that I've looked up trying to find out. If the ball goes kicks out of bounds, the new rule is this: that if you kick it out of bounds on kickoff, then if you got a choice, you want to take it at thirty-five yard line, or you want it re-kicked. We was kicked from the from the twenty yard line. That that's is that's, oh. that's that's my that's my need of the problem that of officiating that we, we're seeing now is is.
0: There's it's no problem. Terrible. Turn man, there's no problem with the officiating. We. We, we did get penalized twice because we broke the rules twice, okay? We had an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty after the touchdown. That was 15 yards. That was a penalty. We kicked the ball out of bounds, which you cannot do. So we got penalized twice. You're right about that. The ball has to go to the 50 in that case. If the ball stays at 35, we're only being penalized once when we broke the rules twice. We broke the infractions twice. But, listen,
5: the thing, the rule says, okay, the ball was kicked out of bounds. Now, you as receiving team, do you want it to be penalized instead of the 35-yard line? Or do you want do you it uh, to be kicked over again? Yeah.
0: That's what the rule says. Yeah, you always have the choice to decline a penalty, Turkey, man. It's like when, when we had a penalty um, delay a game or false star, one of the two, and Shane Beamer elected to decline the penalty to let let us kick the field goal shorter because it's a tougher angle than kicking it five yards back. So yeah, if the other team gets a penalty, you always have the the choice of declining a penalty or accepting. Yeah. We kicked it beyond 35-yard line
5: on that penalty. Penalty says that you get the, the receiving thing. You want it at 35-yard line
0: or you want it re-kicked. That yeah, was they, and they chose it like, to have it at the 35-yard line, and then the 15-yard penalty from the unsportsmanlike was added on, which puts it at the 50-yard line.
5: Then why, why was we penalized at the kickoff? Because you can't keep the ball out of bounds. <laughs> it's on third and once on second. And I don't know. I'm going to go, guys.
0: I, I just wanted to give my two cents. I right, turkey, man. I love you guys. You, you can't keep the ball out of bounds, guys. Like... You can't keep the ball out of bounds.
1: And the and, 15-yard unsportsmanlike <laughs> carries over to the kickoff.
0: Yeah, like, that that's what happened. You can't keep the ball out of bounds, and you can't get 15-yard penalties for unsportsmanlike conduct. Like, you're going to be held accountable for those. And that's that's why the ball's at the 50. So you, you got penalized for the ball going out of bounds. That puts the ball at the 35. You got penalized for the 15-yard penalty of the unsport, unsportsmanlike conduct. That put the ball at the fifty.
1: It's simple as that's, that. That's
0: that's that's what happened. Two penalties,
1: two consequences. I, I, I think maybe Morgan, her first sentence here on the text box may help. Um, our caller from earlier and Turkey Man. When the ball is kicked out of bounds, it negates the fact that Tennessee kicked off from the twenty. It's it's then treated as if it was kicked off. At the normal thirty-five, so you you the other team gets the ball on the thirty-five, and then they tackle on the fifteen yards for the unsportsmanlike conduct, and that's where I, why you're at the fifty. Uh, but I, I I wanted I'm glad you brought up Cooper Mays. We we should not have taken an hour to talk about this Tennessee offensive line, Swain. Yeah, they they mauled South Carolina, and, and like I, I do think there's a little bit of having to to take with Tennessee's defensive front performance with a grain of salt just because that South Carolina offense is so, so bad. Now, I do believe that there's a a long enough track record of several of those players up front defensively for Tennessee playing good football to where that doesn't necessarily matter. But on the flip side of the South Carolina offensive line uh, being really bad, the South Carolina defensive line and defensive front had actually been playing pretty good football. Tonka Hemingway, Alex Huntley had had just won SEC defensive lineman of the week to, against Mississippi State. I mean they they had multiple players who were veterans who have, who have been playing good football this season and Tennessee's offensive line pushed them around. That that should inspire more hope and more confidence in these upcoming difficult games than anything else that you saw Tennessee do on on saturday night that that was almost a a season changing perspective type of performance in in my opinion uh, with how they manhandled what was a pretty good south carolina defensive front it's not georgia it's it's not alabama it's definitely not texas a&m that texas a&m defensive front boy is Tennessee gonna have its hands full that game and then that that will be a big test for for tennessee's offensive line But I have more hope going into that game after what I saw against South Carolina than I did prior to. Uh, And it's because of Cooper Mays at center and it's because of Gerald Mincy at right tackle. We we kind of touched on that last week that although the offensive line has not been playing all that well, there is a little bit of hope of having Cooper Mays back in at center and getting Gerald Mincy back at right tackle. And it proved to make a world of difference. Mincy played awesome. Cooper Mays was absolutely terrific. Uh, A, physically, Tennessee got better at that center position. He he physically played really well, but then you could also see the mental aspect of why he is so important, and it was really cool to hear Cole Kublick talk on his Sunday night podcast that he does after he goes back and watches the film of every single SEC team, and, and he breaks it down, and each week he starts, he he spends more time on the game that he was at than he does on the other game, so he spent 10 or so maybe 15 minutes on the Tennessee South Carolina game itself because he was in Knoxville. He was talking to coaches all weekend long and he shared that Cooper has the ability to change, I guess the play at the line of scrimmage, certainly the protection both in the running game and in the passing game, identifying the mic and Cole shared that Joe Milton Cooper is the only center that he is comfortable with just completely changing the protection and almost changing the play and Joe just going along with it and not even second guessing what Cooper is saying because Cooper is so smart and has such a high football IQ Mm -hmm. that Joe just kind of runs with it. What Cooper says is what goes and Joe just rolls with it and he's not really like that with. With every other center and and you understand, right? Like that's not a shot at Ali Lane. Ali Lane just started playing center. He shouldn't be able to identify and make adjustments like Cooper is from that position. So uh, I thought that was really interesting. And, And you could see on Saturday just the world of difference Cooper made from a football IQ perspective and getting the offense in rhythm. And then he was, like you pointed out last segment, Swain, he was much further ahead physically than I thought he would be after missing so much time with a pretty serious injury.
0: Do do, do you see why we had this conversation about Cooper Mays before the first game where I felt like he was the most important player on the team?
1: Absolutely. No doubt. I mean, (laughs) hearing Cole Kubrick say that he can change the, essentially the play at the line of scrimmage and Joe Milton just rolls with it, that that's, yeah. maybe not as uncommon at the NFL level but i i was it maybe no, that's uncommon, uncommon at the college level that's
0: uncommon period man usually the quarterback is the one who is changing the plays and has the authority um, right m- not like not the center um
1: well i imagine there's some centers uh, out there like i think of like a jason kelsey and maybe that's an extreme example but i imagine like Jace, jason kelsey with jalen hurts behind him ha- maybe has that ability to do so and and there's some center and centers have center around the game forever. But Cooper's not that.
0: What well, I'm saying but have you heard about a center changing plays? No. I Me mean, neither. So like that's that's why Cooper is so special. is because he's tough, he's intelligent and the tempo and you mentioned Texas and game in the front that's going to be difficult to go up against. Well, that's why Cooper is going to be so valuable because the tempo is going to be faster with Cooper. Now, we got to make sure that we win on first down and not have to re-announce because then we'll have to slow down to help our defense. But, like, with Hyper's play call, making sure the ball goes sideline to sideline, making those defensive linemen run from sideline to sideline, and then Cooper getting up to the line of scrimmage to the ball – and snapping it, making it, making sure our tempo is operating at top hype speed is what C-Mac would say, right? Hypo, hypo speed, hyper speed, Uh, Anyways. But that's why Cooper is important. And that's why I said, before anybody, by the way, I took my own horn because it's easy to point at Joe Milton as being the most important player. But even more important than Joe Milton, to me, it was Cooper Mays. And Saturday... You saw the reason why. How about this, Ben? I haven't heard, and I don't want to hear it, I haven't heard one bit of Joe Milton criticism. And Joe Milton threw two picks in this football game. Two. More than Florida, more than any time here in Tennessee, he threw two picks, no criticism of Joe Milton. Why? Because everyone understands how important the offensive line was. Now, the two picks were on Joe Milton like they were 100% on him. Now, Jacob Warren could have gotten an offensive pass interference. He could have prevented the DB from picking the ball off, but sometimes you're off balance. Sometimes it's hard. I I totally get it.
1: You would Also would have been nice to see Joe lead. Yeah, yeah. It, w- Jacob it was Warren a bad throw. Situation. It was a
0: bad throw, but you want you want your teammate to help you out when you throw a bad throw. Break it up. Play defense get it off its pass interference. Um, that's what you, you ideally want from Jacob Warren. But I also understand how sometimes you can be off balance and it just doesn't work out that way. It happens. The first interception, it was cover two pre-snap. They rolled a cover three. The guy jumped jumped it. He made good play. He got Joe. But notice, Ben, not a lot of criticism on Joe Milton this week. He threw two picks. Why? Because offensive line was better. Defense was better. Everybody was better together. And you blew out South Carolina. You beat them by three touchdowns. All right, we'll go back to the phones. 865 255 Good morning. Hey, guys.
6: Good to, good to talk to you again. What's going hey, on? So on so who we on are we talking to on. this morning? This, this is Mike down in Conyers, Georgia. Mike from Conyers. Way, way, too, way too close to Athens, Mike. I know. hey um, just real quickly, that kickoff penalty. the kickoff penalty is, is um, the way it's written is not it's placed at the 35 yard line. The kickoff penalty is it's placed 30 yards from the point of kickoff. so normally that's going to be the other team's 35 yard line. Everyone just thinks, you know it seems it's always placed at 35, but that's actually, the actual penalty is 30 yards from the point of kickoff. so if that point of kickoff gets moved back then the uh, 30, 30 yards from the 20 yard lines is obviously the 50 yard line so that's, that's the way that works. Um, so hopefully that clears it up. I, I understand where the confusion comes from. We're just so used to, fog yeah, is yeah. August basically 35, um, by the way, just good to see Elijah Simmons back. I've been oh, re- yeah. really wondering when he was going to show back up. And, uh, I, even if it was only six snaps, I think it was, um, and, uh, I hope it's number 10 showing up, not 51. If it was a Tim Banks or John Marie, it was giving him a little bit of. Stuff about him changing his number. Well, as long as number ten, as long as number ten shows up. Yep. But yeah, he can be a difference maker. Certainly in that rotation, just makes it even that much stronger. That's that's pretty exciting stuff. And also good to see Jacob Warren have maybe his best game yet. He yeah. uh, graded out real high, I think, when I was looking at the grades. So, anyway, just a couple of comments, and I'll uh, get off and listen. Love hey, thank it, guys. you,
0: thank you, Mike. Uh, Jacob Warren did his thing. Uh, we're gonna need. I like to call them McCastle's McCollin Castles, we 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 got to get him to, to step it up and not let those lights be too bright. Um, got to get rid of those mental mistakes, which includes you know let the ball hit the ground. We got to get him more confident and more comfortable because we're gonna need uh, the Castles. We're gonna need him, man.
1: He's too big, let too athletic. Ask... Absolutely, they they gotta find a way to get him going and, and he kind of was going there the first couple of games I, I don't know if he was nervous he kind of looked nervous playing in his first SEC game at, at home ben. when, when ben. slipping and falling and dropping ben. the football and ben. jumping this this before the ball is snapped that, that to me UC looked like nervousness
0: he's he not playing against UC Davis folks anymore
1: correct first, first it, couple games he was it was <laughs> right yeah for, for sure I, I don't disagree there yeah. at all but uh he—he, he, I think, can be a real weapon, yeah, and they need sure. to get him going. Uh, I completely agree with with Mike there. I I thought Jacob Warren was terrific. I I thought he really was. I I thought uh, the touchdown catch was was very impressive. Um, keeping both feet in bounds would have been good in in the NFL.
0: Great placement on the ball too, about Joe. Yes,
1: absolutely. Um, they they're gonna have to use the tight ends more going forward in the passing game with Brew going down to an injury, uh, I I think that's maybe one way you can compensate for losing Brew, but also while your receiver room tries to adjust. Uh, so I, I'd like to see them use Jacob Warren and McCollin-Castles more moving forward, but do you think how, – how would you handle, I guess, what the rotation is is going to look like? Obviously, Squirrel is is your slot guy. And you have Ramel and, I guess, Caleb Webb as as your first guy up on the outside. Do you try to move Squirrel or Dante out out to the perimeter to get your three best receivers on the field? Or do you not tinker with Squirrel or Dante being in the slot? Because I, I don't know that we know for sure that they can play on the perimeter. Do, are you are you trying to force one of those guys out there or are you trying to keep them to where they appear to be most comfortable?
0: I'm keeping a squirrel in the slot
1: because think about what about th- dante that that's more of a Dante question like do you think Dante's capable of playing out on the perimeter
0: okay so I'm keeping a squirrel in the slot because I need to show my work band um because I need him to to be in motion stay off the line of scrimmage protect him from collision at the line of scrimmage getting off jams uh also during those receiver screens, I don't want Squirrel blocking for anybody else. <laughs> like that's that's not Squirrel's specialty. Um, not saying he can't do it, but he's small, and that's not his specialty. Uh, Thornton, you put him on the outside. Here, here's the dilemma. Um, out of Squirrel, Thornton, excuse me, Squirrel, Romel, maybe. Ch- Chaz, I put Chaz Nimrod in that in that group. Thornton's not the best route runner right now. Like being able to stop when going full speed. Like that that's something that he's working on. It's no different than Hyatt when he first got here. That was something that he had to work on. He got better at. But Thornton's strength is running Forward, like slants and post posts and goes, uh, that's 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 his specialty. He is six five, and so dropping those hips and being able to stop—that's something that Thornton is still working on. That's something that Nimrod does a better job of, and and Keaton does a better job of, and Squirrel. So this is where Heupel and Kelsey Pope got to huddle up and say, "All right, wh- what's best for the group? How do we put guys in positions uh, to be successful?" and cater to their strengths. Um, I don't know if Thornton, if, if we were to play this week, I don't know if Thornton would be available anyways. Um, so the extra week is going to be important for Thornton to heal up um, for Texas AM. and Squirrel doesn't need to come out, come out the football field. So now it's who who is better on the outside? Is it Chaz? Is it, um, is it Thornton? Um, or is it Caleb Webb, that that's who you have to decide from, and I think it goes Ramel back to who who performs better in practice.
1: Because Ramel doesn't need to come off the field either. No, Squirrel and Ramel can cannot come off the field. Mm-mm. Where do you see Caleb Webb and Chaz Nimrod in their development right now? Do Do you think that they are in a position to to not be Brew McCoy? Obviously, because they they're not going to be Brew McCoy, but to where they can fill in adequately enough and and make the plays when when the ball is is thrown their way. I thought Chaz Nimrod did a great job of, of bouncing back from the football that he dropped. That would have been for a first down. And Caleb Webb has has seemed fine in his limited opportunities this year. Where, where do you think those two guys are at right now?
0: Yeah, Chaz Chaz Nimrod and, uh, and Caleb Webb. They're they're they're, they're different. Um, you know, I think Nimrod a little bit quicker feet. I think Webb um can make tougher catches. I think he's a better catcher of the football. Chaz is obviously faster, so um that's why it's gonna be interesting to see who who's going to to get the nod and who's gonna be used in certain situations. Um you know, Chaz Chaz gotta make tough catches, man. Like you thought the first five games was tough. The competition in the secondary is about to go up a whole nother notch, so it's going to be even more physical. And so you got to be really good about running your routes and having patience and having a plan and being tough in your route running and not allowing yourself to be collision and being able to catch balls when guys are slapping at your arms like it's 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 time to grow up for both of the young receivers. So, I think it's going to come down to who performs the best in practice, man, between Thornton, Webb, and Nimrod.
1: You know who, who does work together real nicely before we get back to the phone? Who's that? The Swain Event family, because our, our guy TC in Athens helped out our great friend Jennifer Morris in referring a client to Jennifer, what? and Jennifer help that client find a home here in the Knoxville area and they are closing today. So congratulations to to Jennifer T C and, and that family. Very cool to see the Swain Event family come together and work together. And if you need help finding a home or any type of real estate in the Knoxville area, I can't encourage you enough to to reach out to Jennifer Morris, talk about it all the time, and we'll continue to because Jennifer is the best and she is the best one for you to help you through the very, very frustrating process of, of buying a home. She will take all of those frustrations away. So again, if you're if you're in the Knoxville area looking for a new house, please reach out to Jennifer. I promise you will not regret it.
0: We talked about the offensive line. We mentioned Cooper Mays, uh, and, and you mentioned um, how how the line did a really, really good, really good job, but. How do we not mention what John Campbell Jr. did? Oh my gosh. Yeah, Gerald Mincy did his thing, but but John Campbell Jr. is making himself some money. And these next three games are going to be crucial for him because I know he wants to get to that league. But he was great on, on Saturday, too, finishing blocks, pancaking, drizzling syrup on defenders. Ain't that what you like? You, like, you like the Absolutely. You?
1: Absolutely. I hope I hope somebody on Tennessee sideline was walking around with a thing of syrup because John Campbell Jr. was serving out pancakes and, and I hope somebody was over there. I, I hope Ollie Lane at left guard had some some little cracker barrel bottles of, of syrup tucked away in his britches. Going like the uh, fans had the, those bottles, those airplanes of, of alcohol and, and theirs. I, I hope Ollie Lane had some syrup in his britches and, and he was taking it out. Important on the I'm, face I'm going of those South Carolina defenders laying on the ground. I'm going
0: to the phones. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Can you hear me? Yes. You sound great. <laughs> Swain
7: and Ben, what's going on, man? What's it's going Nelson on, man? Who,
0: who do we have the pleasure of speaking with? Nelson from
7: Jackson, man. How y'all Nelson, doing? what's
1: up, man? Uh, what's up, Nelson? <laughs> you, you call in today to talk about the the first day of the MLB playoffs? Or, or do you want, yeah, you want some notes on uh, Hashtag, <laughs> we want Jordan Seaton. Tennessee baseball (laughs) scrimmage yesterday. What you want to know about it?
7: Nah, I was calling in to see if y'all had the link so I can buy my Super Bowl hat and shirt, man. (sighs) Titans
1: winning the Super Bowl?
7: No, I'm talking about uh, old Rattler. Say, well, we, this game was our Super Bowl. What's up with that?
0: Spencer. (laughs) Listen, when I, when I, when I, when I first heard his comments, I was like, really? So, when, when, when South Carolina beat Tennessee last year, y'all like y'all won Super Bowl. Y'all rushed the field. <laughs> the fans were lifting you up, damn near. You you probably had the best week ever around the city. You probably didn't have to pay for a bill. You probably had you know the ladies calling you and blowing you up, sliding your DMs. You were probably the the man on campus. Because you led your team over a victory over the fifth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers and busted our playoff bubble. That was y'all Super Bowl, the way y'all celebrated. (laughs) Y'all come on the road, play inside Neal Stadium, an atmosphere that's always like that. Now, dark mode and all the other stuff, that's that's, that's another notch. The light show, that's a different notch. We're not always in dark mode. But when it comes to SEC primetime games, Spencer, I know this is your first time in the stadium, but it's always like that. You, we, we can treat you special. <laughs> like It's always like that. It's always live like that. To try to de- I deflect and downplay how poorly he played it's like the Super Bowl. Bro, no, just take the L, have some humble pie, you play like trash. You threw an interception to pick six. Just take the L, be accountable, be responsible, and move on. You don't got to be gracious when you lose. You got to be gracious when you win. But Super Bowl, come on, man. South Carolina doesn't even have a real rival in the SEC. Nelson and Nelson, I don't know why you call got me started because I wasn't gonna say anything about this. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was chilling about my damn business. We was talking about other stuff. We spent way too much time talking about this damn kickoff. I was chilling today, Nelson. But you called up here and you started this. You did this, Nelson. You did this. But South Carolina, I don't even have a real rival in the SEC. Your biggest rival is Clemson in the ACC. Georgia's not your rival. Vanderbilt, Kentucky, Missouri, Tennessee, nobody is your rival in the SEC. But y'all clinging to Tennessee. Y'all stay in Tennessee, fans mentions. Oh, it's y'all Super Bowl. Oh, no, it's not. Y'all want to be our rival So bad. So bad. You got Hootie last year. He's out on tour. He got Tennessee on his mind. He says F Tennessee. He want to be Tennessee's rival so bad. Man, put us in a song, Hootie. we not fighting. We're not punching down. We're not punching down. You had some wins when Steve Spurrier was there. We were down. You had some wins when Muschamp was there. We was down. But your best team, your best team that was coached by Spurrier still got their ass whooped by Butch Jones in 2013. <laughs> Man, if y'all don't hush, hush. We had a, I had heard enough. Hurt enough. Damn you Nelson. <laughs> man, I
7: didn't get to my real question. I was calling to Go ask ahead. you about uh I was coming to ask you about this defensive line, man, because it's it's regardless of the point, it's been a long time since we saw a defensive line, you know, push around another SEC offensive line. And I just wanted to ask you, man, how much of how much of the credit do you give Robert Ayers, man? Because these Edge players are playing on a whole other level, man. I mean, Roman Harris are coming off the edge with pressure. Um, James Pierce, uh, Josh Joseph, Tyler Berry, in the defensive end. It seemed like there is a constant stream of guys just coming off the edge the whole game.
0: You got to give credit to every coach that's working with this defensive line. I mean, Robert Ayers brought a different level of experience, credibility, um, his own flavor, his own style. Cause everyone has their own coaching style. Rodney has his, uh, other guys have theirs. Robert has, uh, his own. As I was walking off the field, um, all the coaches that were kind of up in the box, you know, they come down, um, a couple minutes after the game, but Robert Ayers was sprinting to meet the players after they addressed the the band and, uh, in the student section. But Robert was sprinting, and, man, he was so hyped. He was so happy and proud of those defensive linemen uh, because they they controlled that football game. They were a big reason why we were able to win uh, in that fashion. So, yeah, man, I think Robert Ayers certainly made a huge impact, but I, I think other coaches have too. And, honestly, um, it clicked for some of those players, that old adage saying "When when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Sometimes yeah. you like, sometimes you ain't ready. Sometimes you ain't ready to learn. Sometimes you ain't ready to listen for whatever reason. Like growing up, your mom and dad was telling you some, something that you didn't listen to. And then one day it clicked. He's like, dang, okay. You start listening. That was the moment where you truly became a student. That's the moment that the teacher really appeared for you because you was ready. And sometimes that happens with a player. I think it happened with Tyler Barron this year. He's ready, he's ready to go. So I think it's yeah, a combination me, of things.
7: Yeah, the light is definitely came on for Barron, man. He's having a heck of a year. But I'm going to jump off, bro. I got to get my babies off to school, man. Y'all have a good one. Appreciate you taking my call. Hey, thank
0: you, Nelson. Good to hear from you, man. I don't even know why you mentioned that, Spencer Rattler. I was letting
1: it go. South Carolina is nobody's Super Bowl. Nobody. I don't know what Spencer Rattler is, is, is talking about. Nobody's. Bro, You you
0: just got here. Use Oklahoma at first. You just got here. This is your second year in the SEC. You don't need to talk about this this rivalry between or fake rivalry between South Carolina and Tennessee or the series. You don't know
1: nothing about us, sir. Like if if you think about it, like South Carolina is really the the redheaded stepchild in the SEC. Nobody cares about South Carolina. Absolutely nobody. Florida does not care about South Carolina. Georgia does not care about South Carolina. Tennessee does not care about South Carolina. Kentucky does not care about South Carolina. Missouri don't care about South Carolina. Vanderbilt doesn't even care about South Carolina. Tennessee has a rivalry game more with Vanderbilt on the football field than it does South Carolina.
0: I know. That's sad, right? That's sad. And I I was going to be chill today. I was going to be chill about it because – like I got friends on the staff over there. I got love for some dudes over there on that staff, and I was gonna be—I was gonna be chill today. I wasn't gonna say anything. But come on, man, let's let's stop. That's that, that's like a a girl or a guy who is at best a four, but walk around mm-hmm. like they a dime. No. You not him.
1: You the not. The problem her. is Columbia South, Columbia South Carolina makes them think that they're a ten. Yeah, y'all are a ten in Columbia South Carolina. But the moment y'all step out of Columbia South Carolina, y'all like a three, three, three and a half, maybe on, on a good day. y'all have sandstorm. It's really, really cool. It's awesome. It is. It's awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. That's about it.
0: That, that that's right.
1: Steve Spurrier ain't coming back anytime soon. All
0: right, let's go back to the phones. Good morning.
3: Good morning. It's a little girl from South Carolina who's a humongous ball fan. This is Casey. What's
0: up, Casey? Have you recovered from this weekend?
3: Oh, no. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely not. I'm actually, obviously, I sound like I'm under the weather. Uh, But it was worth it. They are, this is not their Super Bowl. They want to be at Tennessee's level so bad they will never they'll never be there they'll have a couple players that are great they'll win a couple games they should not that's it they had the beginning of a game they will never have the end of a game ever and Clemson is their Super Bowl they don't even care about any SEC school they care about Clemson half their fans doesn't even know they were playing Saturday night I know because i they're my friends like oh yeah we're playing Saturday night they don't even know Online is not real. What you see on social media is not real. In real life, most of the fans don't even know. (laughs) It's really funny. Clemson is their Super Bowl. That was the most fun weekend. Neyland Stadium is insane with the light show. Well done. Whoever started the Neyland concert, I love it. It was really, really well done. Um, And the nicest game. Everyone was so nice. Even the few South Carolina people I saw, they they were really nice saw a ton of people um, from Vol Twitter, which was really hilarious, um, and very nice to meet everybody. The Vol Club—that's a party. That is a fun party. I highly recommend if you can go go to that event. It was fun to see some, some players and um, who can who look like they can still play. My word! <laughs> I mean, the, Travis, both Travis is. I was like, oh my, can y'all suit up tonight? Oh, yeah. they yeah. were in shape. Yeah, saw, saw the pictures. Oh my goodness! Oh, I I had the best time meeting them. It was wonderful. Um, Great game. Glad to be home, but it was a wonderful weekend. Downtown Knoxville. Can't believe downtown Knoxville. Wish it was like that when I was in college. And y'all are way cheaper than where I live, so I will. I'll try to come back for basketball season.
0: Please, please come back, Casey.
3: Oh, and Jennifer Morrison, T.C. They are fabulous. My husband has even spoken to them about property. So that is a very, very good network of people if you need um, realtors, both TC and Jennifer.
0: Love it, love it. Isn't that great? L- love
3: it. Well, I hate I get to, didn't get to see y'all, but um, go Vols, and hopefully they'll rest up and be A&M.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yeah. We'll see you next time.
3: All right, see y'all soon. All right, see ya.
0: Go good stuff from Casey. All right, let me hit this text box. C-Mac, only took three years, but finally you use hype speed. There you go, C-Mac. Maybe maybe I've seen the light. Maybe I am the student and the teacher finally appeared. Uh, Pat, Patrick Mahomes, reference here from Brian Hunsucker. Every quarterback throws picks. Look at Mahomes Sunday night, and he's the best in the world. Not making excuses for those throws by Joe either, but outside of those two throws, Joe was awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mike from Conyers. Do you think we will see much of Nathan Leacock this year? I think there's a possibility. I think it depends on Leacock.
1: hypo mentioned his name yep, sure Saturday did. night after the uh, during his post-game press conference.
0: Yep. I think he mentioned that for a reason. So it's time to get caught ready to play and Lee they need somebody sure i
1: mean their their depth right now is is not in a great spot they, they are another injury away from from being in a real bad spot they desperately need ramel and squirrel to to stay healthy cuz right now they've they've got five receivers essentially and uh, one of them dante thornton has not gotten off to the start that a lot of people thought that he would including myself and he's got a banged-up hamstring right now, and we know how fragile uh, a banged-up hamstring can be. And then two of the other five are redshirt freshmen who, who barely have any playing experience. So you, you really only have two receivers right now that you can trust, which is why I said earlier, I think you have to find a way uh, to implement the tight ends more in the passing game and, and probably ideally use them more over the middle of the field too.
0: Callus Murner says, genuine question, do y'all believe we can win big games this season with Joe at the helm? If he has to win us a game, do y'all think he can? And if yes, based off of what uh, that we've seen so far, this is what I believe. I believe Joe Milton is the best option for us to win big games at the quarterback (laughs) position. Um, But I do think Joe can win big games. Joe can't do it by himself. We just had a conversation about how thin the depth is of wide receiver. We have not been, we have not played at a high level the receiver position. We've gotten better, but it has been a significant drop off from last year where Hendon had an offensive line that didn't get hurt. He had two NFL wide receivers at his disposal. Um, you had Princeton Fant, That was one of the most versatile players on this football team. Joe doesn't have that. Joe's not hindering but Joe does not have those weapons around him either. So it's not just all Joe. The defense has to be really, really good. Special teams outside of a- allowing Leggett, and it's a good play by Carolina, great design, um, but outside of giving up the um, fake punt and the penalty, Special teams is pretty solid. Like, D. D Williams is a weapon. And so, that game could have been a whole lot worse if they would have kicked the ball to D. Williams and we didn't have blocks in the back. But uh, the answer is yes. Like, I believe we can win big games with Joe, but it's not going to be all Joe. It's not going to be like Hendon was last year or Bryce Young was last year. Joe needs more help, just like every other quarterback, mostly in the country, like, Caleb Williams may not need a lot of help, but he's he's a freak. He's special. But most quarterbacks in college football, you you gotta have some help. Shadur Sanders, who is a freak, who is special, he sacked more than any other quarterback. It seems like in the country, and he can't do it by himself. You gotta have help. You gotta have protection. You gotta have receivers catching the ball. You gotta have backs doing what they're supposed to do. You gotta have a defense doing what they need to be doing. Joe can win big games at the helm.
1: I. I, well, and, and to your point about Caleb Williams, even with him throwing six touchdowns, the defense still almost got him beat. Uh So <laughs> and that was against a Colorado team that did not look good the week prior against Oregon. It, it's a matter of time for that USC defense gets them beat. But I don't know if Joe can go win your big games. That, that's my feeling right now. I, I I can't say yes or no. I, I think in order to – like to me, when, when that question is asked, I think of beating Alabama on the road. I think of beating Georgia at home in November. Those are the two games that that I think of when, when that question is posed. And I don't know if Joe can consistently make throw after throw after throw after throw that he needs to make. Yes, and Swain, you're spot on about needing help. But just in terms of strictly talking about Joe, I don't know if he can consistently make throw after throw after throw the way he needs to to beat those two teams. I don't know yet.
0: I mean, I have I have a sample size. I mean, he did it, he did it once, um, you know, versus Clemson. He so, did. I mean, he's shown that he can do it uh, at the. I ham. think that
1: game's a little bit different though than playing in Tuscaloosa and, and playing Georgia at home. Although Georgia better Georgia better watch out or they're gonna take an L this weekend.
0: Yeah, this, I, mean, I don't. I don't. It think is, it Georgia is different. Is very good. It, I mean, it is different, Ben, because Clemson was a neutral site game. So playing at home against Georgia, a really good team, um, and then you know going on the road at Alabama, going on the road at Kentucky is certainly different than playing uh, in the Orange Bowl. But like he won, he won a big game already as a as starting quarterback.
1: He did, and I'm not, I'm not at all trying to minimize that. I'm really not, but I do think that that Clemson program is in a different spot right now than the Alabama and Georgia program. That's so. Fine. To your point, I was thinking in my head, I was just trying to be more concise than, than usual. Like if I had to pick yes or no, I would lean towards yes because of what he did against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. But in terms of Alabama, Georgia, maybe even Texas a I don't know if Joe can consistently do what he needs yep. to do for 60 minutes to go beat those type of programs.
0: Big games. I put emphasis on big games. You got AM, obviously next week is is big game. You got Kentucky, that's a big game. Alabama's a big game. Georgia's a big game. Mizzou will be bigger than it has been the last 2 years. They're better. Um but like legitimately four big games left. Can Joe win? Those games at the helm if everybody else is doing their job, yeah. Yeah, I think they can. I think I think we can. Well, not all of I them. Should, I mean, not 4-0. I, I ain't saying we'll go 4-0, but I do think right. we can win big games this year with him at the helm again if everyone else is doing what they need to be doing too.
1: I guess we should also take into consideration he did just win the Super Bowl on Saturday night, and it doesn't get any bigger than that.
0: That's true. Good things about weeks. So the joke can get down to Disney World. Uh, Bulldog Brian said um, he'd been out of pocket a few days update on brew yeah, yeah brew for those asking about brew you know since he put out a statement um you know he had surgery and uh fractured his ankle um I, I, honestly guys nfl did not cross my mind i mean y- y- you got to be able to put together a season of work and brew just doesn't have a lot of him,
1: you don't think last year was enough
0: no I don't, because remember, it took Bruce, it took Brew a while. Remember, remember fall camp. Brew was like third string. Brew had a procedure done during the summer. Like, Brew was out of shape. Like, he had to work himself back. This was supposed to be the year of Brew being healthy and having a full understanding of the playbook and, and that true breakout year. This is supposed to be the year for him. Just like last year was a year for Jalen Hyatt. Just like two years ago was a year for Tillman. Like you you, you got to put together a full season. Like guys, there's there's only a couple dudes on the NFL roster. There's thousands of college players that want to play at the NFL level. So it's tough. It's hard to 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 get there, and you, you got to do it by putting together. I think a full season. There's a lot of really good receivers out here a in lot. college football. Yeah, like a lot. So
1: A lot, to lot.
0: Brew has the physical tools to go beat Juwan Jennings. But this is a really nasty injury. Real nasty. It's going to take let some time you. for him to get back, and then when he gets back, he's going to have to be consistent and stay healthy and produce. So I didn't think about NFL, honestly. I was thinking about him coming back um, and and finishes, finishing his college career off on a good note.
1: Let me ask you this he he's an older guy. So even with the, I guess, limited amount of film that he has from last season, small amount of film that he has from last season. Do you think that's enough to just try and go ahead and and start that clock? Because he is such an older guy. I mean, he's a redshirt senior this year. His, his first fall camp was 2018. If I'm not mistaken, uh, would it be worth it? Even if he doesn't have that full year of tape to go ahead and, and start the clock.
0: Uh, I don't look at his age as a big deal. I mean, I know that was a big deal with Hooker because that's a quarterback and you expect the quarterback to try to be the franchise guy for a decade. But you don't draft Brew high expecting him to be there a decade. You draft Brew, you know, in the mid-rounds based on what he do during the season and how he performs um, during the testing. And honestly, it feels a little weird even talking about that right now. Uh, because of what happened, uh, I just, I just hope that he's able to walk normal and run normal uh, and just be able to play, um, you know, as soon as possible. Which I know he's going to do everything in his power to be a better version of of himself. Uh, I just, it, it's just hard for me to think about NFL uh, with him because of what happened. But I get it. NFL is a goal of his. That was something that he was shooting towards. Um. And th- that that dream is still alive and it's still attainable for sure. Um, but not like the age doesn't bother me because you go play four, five, six, seven years. Then that's but that's 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 good for a franchise. I think that's good for for you as a player to get your pension, get you some checks. Um, Brew has had little nagging injuries here and there. I mean, he was he was held out of the Austin, no, San Antonio game. He was held out during fall camp, didn't do a scrimmage. And so Bruce had little things here and there that is, that's going to be brought up during the evaluation process, more so than his age. Like, how durable are you outside of the ankle That's going to be more of a question uh, than than the age. Um, So, but he's going to be back, man. He's going to be back at Tennessee, in my opinion. I'll be surprised if he tries to um, skip that process. I think he has to prove that he's healthy. And think about it, like, he, he won't be able to run during any of the testing. I mean, he would be, at best, a, a, a undrafted player. So, no. I think coming back is the right move, 100%. 100%. Uh, Oh, yeah. I got to tell you guys about, about what's going on with Hiller this month. I got some new specials right now uh, at Hiller. HVAC Maintenance. If you have... That on your mind, you have a clogged bathroom drain. Right now, Hiller has some big discounts this month. 50% off was the specials last month. We have it going on this month with HVAC tune-ups. So 50% off HVAC tune-ups, $99 drain cleaning special. $99, $99, Hiller will get you back up and running. For more details, go online to happyHiller.com. And remember, there's service guarantee. Happy you'll be, or the service is free. That is Hiller Plumbing, Heating, Cooling, and Electrical. All right, Ben, did we miss anything today?
1: We did not. Not that uh not that I know of.
0: I'm sure we did, but guess what we got? We got Thursday. We got we Thursday. Do. Of course we missed stuff, man. We only was here an hour.
1: And 40s. We don't miss stuff. We're professional. Four, four minutes. minutes. Well, you're a professional. I'm I'm just a blogger.
0: No, I'm working on it. No, I'm just a podcaster. That's what I was told yesterday about some going on I'm just a podcaster. Jeez. 865-255. They're hurting.
1: They're uh, hurting right now.
0: Oh man. Fans, man, I mean, a lot of fans, man. They, interesting bunch. Interesting bunch. We'll say that. uh Spintoletti says they're two and three, and they don't feel two and three. Um, play three games where you, you had less points than the opponents. I don't, I don't, I don't, know why you don't feel two and three. We you know that's why like he said that.
1: His head coach Shane Beamer said the same something very, very similar in his postgame press conference about this is a, a football team that's better than two and three. Okay, Shane.
0: Yep, two and three. Tennessee, four and one, moving forward. For Ben McKee, I'm Jason Swain. We hope y'all have a great rest of your Tuesday. Peace and much love. We are out.